Hello and welcome to the Oasis Church Podcast. to 12. Boaz marries Ruth. Boaz went to the town gate and took a seat there. Just then the family redeemer he had mentioned came by. So Boaz called out to him, come over here and sit down friend, I want to talk to you. So they sat down together. Then Boaz called 10 leaders from the town and asked them to sit as witnesses. And Boaz said to the family redeemer, You know Naomi, who came back from Moab. She is selling the land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. I thought I should speak to you about it so you can redeem it if you wish. If you want the land, then buy it here in the presence of these witnesses. But if you don't want it, let me know right away because I'm next in line to redeem it after you. The man replied, all right, I'll redeem it. Then Boaz told him, Of course, your purchase of the land from Naomi also requires that you marry Ruth, the Moabite widow. That way she can have children who will carry on her husband's name and keep the land and the family. Then I can't redeem it, the family redeemer replied, because this might endanger my own estate. You redeem the land. I cannot do it. Now, in those days, it was the custom in Israel for anyone transferring a right of purchase to remove his sandal and hand it to the other party. This publicly validated the transaction. So the other family redeemer drew off his sandal as he said to Boaz, you buy the land. Then Boaz said to the elders and to the crowd standing around, you are witnesses that today I have bought from Naomi all the property of Elimelech, Kilian and Malon. And with the land, I have acquired Ruth, the Moabite widow of Malon, to be my wife. This way, she can have a son to carry on the family name of her dead husband and to inherit the family property here in his hometown. You are all witnesses today. Then the elders and all the people standing in the gate replied, We are witnesses. May the Lord make this woman who is coming into your home like Rachel and Leah, from whom all the nation of Israel descended. May you prosper in Ephrathah and be famous in Bethlehem. And may the Lord give you descendants by this young woman, who will be like those of our ancestor Perez, the son of Tamar and Judah. This is an amazing story, a story that we're looking on week in, week out, where we're seeing that this beautifully grafted story that's around Ruth, her relationship with Naomi, and now also with Boaz, is a story that speaks of hope. A story that's not only speaking of hope to Ruth and Naomi, as we're going to see today once again, but it's a story that God is longing to speak into your life and my life hope. Whether we're here in the room, downstairs, upstairs, behind me, or online, or watching at another point, God is longing to use this story to speak hope into our lives. 
And what I want us to see today is that this hope is also characterized about, by family. It's a hope of family. Now, at that point, you could then think, yeah, but um, family, that's like a loaded word. Because reality is, for each of us, that word will mean different things. For some of us, we'll feel like, oh, yeah, this is a word that brings me joy, or it's a word that brings me comfort. For some of us, though, it's a word that brings pain. It brings disappointment. It brings that sense of not truly feeling like we belong. I believe today that God wants to bring us hope by reframing, redefining what this word family means to you and to me. As I believe God wants to use this story to reveal that family is a word that we begin to see and experience and understand breathes hope. Breathes hope into you, breathes hope into me. And how else to do that is to then zoom in on this story then. We're going to zoom in at the family redeemer. That's the way um, the kinsman redeemer is re- uh, translated in a language that we kind of understand in the New Living Translation. It says the family redeemer. You see, what we have in this narrative that we've zoomed in on from verse 1 to 12 is this moment of Boaz stepping up to the plate to do all that he can to be Ruth and Naomi's family redeemer. He wants to do all that he can to secure their future. In order that they don't ever need to live with a sense of uncertainty or despair, but can know hope. And then you find this description of a slightly weird kind of moment of exchanges, in which we find actually there's another person who has a greater stake to be the family redeemer. And Boaz kind of does this moment of kind of at the town gate, which was the place where the who's who gathered, where the place of business happened. He's there, he's got witnesses, and it just so happens this other individual kind of comes along. Just so you know, the other individual is never named. If we were to read the Hebrew, it would be like Mr. So-and-so. Like that's how he's described. Mr. So-and-so just so happened to be there. And Boaz does this moment of saying, hey, you've got a greater stake here in being the family redeemer, the one who can rescue these people. But in the end, this individual, Mr. So-and-so, says, actually, now this is too risky. Because if I take on this, this could put all my stuff that I have at risk. And so he says to Boaz, like, well, you deal with it. And then there's this moment where even for the first hearers of this story, it was like, Really? They did that? It's like this moment of description to say, hey, you may not have heard about this, but this is how kind of transaction went on then. They, they got a sandal, the person who didn't want the land, and they handed it to the other person. Now, we've got to understand, for the first hearers, that was like a bit bizarre. For us, that's really bizarre. Sorry, they did what? They didn't go down to the mortgage company and kind of agree some of the things. They didn't kind of go to the solicitor and sign some documents. They got a sandal. Imagine that. You go to purchase a home. You're there at the final moments, and the homeowner says, oh, I've now got your money in my bank account. Here is my trainer. You kind of look at them and say, no, I think I want something a bit more than your trainer. But for this moment, that was enough. It spoke of everything, because in that moment... Boaz becomes 
the family redeemer. And he reveals it in verse 10 where he says this, with the land I have acquired Ruth, the Moabite widow of Malon, to be my wife. See, in that moment, as Boaz takes on the land and takes on Ruth, he becomes the family redeemer. And in redeeming Ruth, he says, I don't just redeem you to something, I redeem you for something, to have a new status. See, he redeems her as the family redeemer to redeem her into his family. That's what he does. And in redeeming her into his family, he transforms her life forever. He changes everything. You see, Ruth, who was known as the Moabite, the outsider, is now drawn in. Not drawn in on the edge as like someone who's like a servant or a worker. No, no, it's drawn in in marriage to family. And as such, it transforms everything for Ruth forever. See, that moment reveals that she is now family with Boaz. And family spoke of something. He speaks of the fact that now she is belonging. She's not trying to fight for survival by herself. She now knows what it is to be in this married relationship, which means that she belongs to a family. And in belonging, it speaks of three Ps, I'm going to say. Firstly, it speaks of provision. Because who she is now belonging with in this family is Boaz. Remember him in chapter 2? The outrageous extravagance of how he provided in unfailing loving kindness, Hesed, for Ruth. Where if you don't know the story, he basically like gave her a month's salary in a day. Like outrageous. That's just when he saw her as the outsider. Now... Now they're family together. Imagine the provision that he provides for her now. But it's not only provision, it's protection. You see, in chapter 2 again, we find that Boaz like, offers her protection as he, she works in the field. How much more now? They're belonging together in marriage, in family. That protection that she tasted of as she worked in the field, she now knows, characterizes her life. He's for her, protecting her, providing for her. But also this belonging came with a promise, a promise that you hear spoken of by the witnesses who are around, the kind of the who's who, who are witnessing what was going on in that sandal exchange. And they have this weird moment where they hear what Boaz says, and then they speak over Ruth a blessing that is a promise. And they do it by naming Three women of utter significance to them as a people, the nation, and the purposes of God. And they say Ruth is going to be like Rachel and Leah and Tamar. And in saying those three individuals, which we haven't got time today to look at in terms of what their stories are, if you want to go and look at them, follow the breadcrumbs back into Genesis and you'll see some of that. There you see this wonder of how God uses each of them for significance in revealing his purposes. They're saying over Ruth, you're going to be someone of significance in revealing God's purposes. 
But also they stood there knowing that they were part of their family line, Rachel and Leah and Tamar, that what they're saying is this family line that is continuing, that we know now is going to continue through to Jesus and the hope that he brings to all people. They're saying, oh, Ruth, Ruth's now part of this family line that's going to continue. This promise over Ruth as she belongs to this family with Boaz is one that is saying, there's a promise of significance in the purposes of God. There's a promise that your family line will continue. But it wasn't just belonging, it was also relationship. See, Ruth wasn't a dutiful servant now. Now, that was the chapter two moment of seeing who Boaz was and just being deeply grateful, falling prostrate before him. Now, this is a moment where they're caught up now in relationship, caught up in love, that Hesed love that we looked at a couple of weeks ago of unfailing loving kindness. They're now caught up in that together, like revealing it to each other. That was the basis of this relationship. Unfailing loving kindness that Boaz shows Ruth and Ruth shows Boaz. But it wasn't just belonging, it wasn't just relationship. Family spoke to her of sharing. She spoke of sharing that Everything she was enduring, Ruth, she now shared with Naomi. And that caused Naomi to know the hope, not only for herself, but for her family line. Everything that she reveals of her late dead husband is now being caught up by this family redeemer who is changing her destiny. And Ruth says, share in this with me. Can you start to see why family speaks of hope? For Ruth, it changed everything. It causes her to know this belonging, this relationship, and then that allows her to share with others. The danger of this point is that we don't think, well, okay, is, is that the goal then? Like, what we take from this is, you've got to get married? Uh-uh. That's not what's being pointed to here, is it? We've seen that week in, week out in terms of this story. Now, this story is a signpost. A signpost to a greater family redeemer. A greater family redeemer who comes to redeem everyone throughout all time into their family. And that is God. That Jesus comes through his life, death, and resurrection to be the family redeemer. See, there's so many ways we can look at what Jesus does through his life, death, and resurrection. One of the kind of facets, one of the dimensions, one of the prisms we can look at in this multicolored nature of what Jesus does and offers to you and to me is he comes to redeem us, to redeem us into God's family. Paul gets taken away by this in Ephesians 2.10, I think. Let's make sure I've got that first, right? 1.5, actually. That's where I'm looking. 2.10 was two weeks ago. 1.5, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. That was the reality. On that moment where Jesus was resurrected, it announced to all who will hear, all that who will receive, that Jesus has come to redeem us. 
redeem us from being outsiders to being in as family. And you see, just like Ruth, that means that we then get to discover the wonder of what that family means. See, it means belonging. Belonging to the eternal, loving family. See, this is the point where our human frailty does us a disservice because we can't quite comprehend any being that's existed forever, that is eternal, that has no beginning. Like, if you get that, then thank you. Like, for me, I'm still trying to contemplate what that looks like. I am a, a, a being that has a finiteness about it. I had a beginning, and I will have an end. Though my end will continue, as we'll see. But to fathom one who has always existed, like that's something we just have to spend time contemplating. Because what we realize is this one who has always existed, has existed as Father, Son, and Spirit in love. is this loving family community that has eternally existed. So that when we're called in, when Jesus comes and says, I'm redeeming you into my family, the family redeemer redeeming us into family is into that family. Not a finite family, a family that's eternally existed in love. That's what we belong to. That then, like Ruth, means that we know that we belong to this loving family of Father, Son, and Spirit who provides for us. A heavenly Father who's longing to do you and I good. A heavenly Father who loves us unconditionally. But it's not only that we're at this family of God that's seeking to provide, it also seeks to protect that there's now nowhere we can go from his presence. He'll never leave us or forsake us. So much so, Paul writes in Romans 8, he says, actually, there's nothing now that can separate you or I from the love of Jesus. That's what it means to belong to this family. We're provided, we're protected, but it's also a promise. There's a promise that God says, hey, you're now part of my purposes. Wow, just like for Ruth. Significance in the purposes of God. That's what God speaks over you. It's what God speaks over me. You're not here by mistake. You're not here to try and figure out, maybe if I do this, this, and this, it will give me purpose. You're not here to live with this experience that maybe if I go there, it will all make sense. No, no. You're here being caught up in the eternal purposes of God who's longing to fill this planet with his unfailing love, goodness, kindness, and rightness. And how he does it is through one life at a time, through your life, in order that he can say, hey, this is one of my trophies, this is one of my objects of my love, who I'm seeking to transform in order they'd live more shaped by it. it takes time, doesn't it? Like sometimes I feel like, yeah, yeah, I'm radiating you, God. Sometimes I feel like I'm clunking away, God. Like, really? I think there's some better trophies out there. And God's saying, no, no, I want to use you. You're now part of my plan to reveal the wonder of who I am to the whole of the planet. But also, just like Ruth, it's not only when I'm part of the purposes of God, we're also now part of this family that will live forever. 
like this family line, this family line that knows no beginning. Wow, eternally existed. We're now part of that, that knows no end. That's the promise. Like death is never the end. It's been defeated. Rather, it becomes this moment where we get to fully see who God is who one day will cause this planet to be his home and will cause all to know the wonder of his love, good, and kindness. Just belonging, though. It's also relationship. We get to know relationship with this God. This family of God that is Father, Son, and Spirit calls us into relationship. And that transforms our relationship with God. Because it means that we approach a father who is unconditionally loving towards us and longs for our best. That's who God the Father is. He's not like me. Like I'm a dad, I have off days. Talk to my kids. I'm inconsistent. We have a heavenly father who is consistent, who has no shadow, who is only light, who is after your and my best, who is longing to cause us to be enveloped by his love. We have an older brother who is Jesus, who is the best older brother because what they do is they share all of who they are with us. Jesus says, everything I am is yours. And then we have the spirit who's longing to bring the reality of the father's love and Jesus' life to us. This is the one we're caught up in relationship with. Father and Son and Spirit. But it's not just relationship with God. It's also relationship within ourselves. Because what this does is it redefines us as we understand that we're now part of the family of God. We realize that we have value. I know, do you spend your time worrying about whether you do? Or maybe you've been introduced to Jesus to, and it was introduced in a way and saying, hey, you have no value. That's not the gospel. gospel is that God says you have intrinsic value. You're made in his image. You're loved by the eternal God. That's your value. It's not just our value, it's our identity. Like, the world says you can find your identity in yourself. I tell you what, when I try and do that, all it does is it brings confusion. I continuously feel like I'm just turning myself over and over of like, am I this? Am I that? Will that help? Now, this family says, no, no, I define you. You define as mine. And I want to cause you to live in the life that I've got for you that is governed by my goodness, rightness, and love for you. That's your identity. But it's also in respect to this invitation to know freedom and healing. See, this family of God longs to redefine us. But the thing is, that takes time. You see, for all of us, we've got a story. We've got a story where actually the stuff that's happened that harms us, that causes us to walk with a limp, that causes us to have pain and hurt, and God isn't different to that. And this family is one that comes and draws alongside us and says, no, I want to redeem and restore. I want to heal you. Heal from what was and free you into what is. 
We get to live even in this moment with all of the uncertainty, knowing, oh no, we're part of this family. Relationship with God, relationship with ourselves, relationship with each other, redefines it. Now when we gather, we're not any old bunch of people. It isn't like a committee meeting. It isn't like a bunch of disparates who just couldn't think of anything better to do on a Sunday morning. Now why do we call this home? Because a family needs a home. And this is what we're trying to be, a family. Why? Because we've got the same father. We're loved in the same way. We're all God's children. And that therefore means that we act differently towards each other. It means that we never need to compare ourselves or compete with one another. Because we realize, actually, no, we've got a father who loves us all equally. We've got an older brother who's sharing everything with us. We've got a spirit who's coming alongside us, like longing for us to know more of the wonder of the father's love and Jesus' life. Therefore, it liberates us to realize that when we come together, we are a family. How we see each other, therefore, is we seek to build one another up, encourage, honor each other. But we get it wrong, don't we? And how many times do I forget that we're family? How many times do I forget that actually I'm here to help you see more of the family we belong to. Maybe I didn't encourage, maybe I didn't honor. I'm sorry. But here's the deal. We don't just give up, we don't just throw in the towel, we say no, this is who we are. We're family. Therefore we give ourselves to this. And the reality is we're all different. And that's the beauty of family, in that through our difference, we're able to reveal the wonder of God's love and able to encourage and honor each other in order that we can reveal more of this God who has this profound family. Because as we live that way, it gets us to the last kind of way family speaks hope to us is it causes us, like Ruth, to be those who are sharing it. See, the wonder of this heavenly family is that God is longing for everyone to be part of it. And therefore, we get to be those who are continuously seeking in our frailty to call and cause others to know the wonder of what it is to be caught up in this family of God. Man, what a privilege. Like when we leave this building, when we go to our homes, our streets, our places of work, our places of recovery, our education establishments, like your school, like when you go there, you're God's outpost of his family, who's simply there, now part of his eternal purposes, to say, hey, God's longing to redeem you in. He wants you to know his eternal love. That's what he's come to do. That's exciting. I find it exciting. Um, let's land this. We have this story of hope, a hope of family, which is about a family redeemer, Jesus, who redeems us to family. I wonder whether you know that. Have you ever received 
the wonder of who Jesus is, that he's inviting you to be family. Like today, Jesus stands and says, I I, I want you. You don't happen to be here by mistake. Now this is like the story of Ruth. It just so happened. Like God created this moment that you'd be able to see the wonder that God is calling you into his family. Many of us, though, in this room, we say, yeah, we, we know this family. Are we enjoying it? Are we enjoying what it is to be part of this family? And lastly, maybe, maybe today you just come and say, I know that there is this family I belong to, but I need the spirit to bring more of the reality of it into my life. I need some of that healing. I need some of that restoration. I need some of that freedom. And Jesus comes and says, my family's for you.